Hey guys, I'm from Paranormal Inc. Ohio, back again with another podcast. Tonight's podcast episode continues on to our 50 haunted states of the United States. And first up is Florida. And in Jacksonville, Florida, we have the Devil's School. And the Devil's School was first opened in 1918 as the Annie Lytle Elementary School, then simply known as Public School No. 4. It must have been an impressive structure. The brick walls and white columns out front probably made the Jacksonville, Florida schools seem almost perfect. Today, however, the ruins of the Annie Lytle Elementary School are a far cry from their fancier past. The halls are littered with trash and debris, and vivid graffiti covers virtually every surface. A fire broke out in 1995 and was blamed on by vagrants, gutted parts of the building, and caused the roof of the auditorium to cave in, leaving it open to the elements. Now, back when the school was in operation, there was a janitor who would get the kids, who would lure some children down into the boiler room and would kill them, would burn them alive. One child got away and in that got the janitor caught. So the janitor went to justice. In 1999, the place was supposed to be torn down to be built with condominiums built on top of it. But it got a historical landmark site put on it in the year 2000, and now the building still stands. Satanic rituals and occult rituals go on inside the building to this day, so there's no wonder why we hear lots of screams and cries. We hear running. Uh, You can hear lockers slamming. There is uh, shadow figures that run the halls to this day people still see. So that was Florida. Now we are going to go to a short story in Georgia, in one of Georgia's most haunted locations, is the Old Candler Hospital. The Old Candler Hospital was first hospital built in Savannah in 1804. It is believed to house lingering spirits to this day. It is also the second oldest hospital that is still in operation in the U.S. The hospital faced many challenges during the height of yellow fever. The entire Savannah region was put into a state of constant crisis. And the hospital's underground tunnel served as a passageway for the dead bodies during the epidemic and is believed to be a great source for paranormal activity to this day. Sightings have been reported of ghosts hanging from the Candler oak tree and sudden changes in room temperature and pungent odors greet visitors still to this day. Now these tunnel systems that go from the hospital to the morgues were, I mean, they were stacked from floor to ceiling high with dead bodies. They had nowhere to put the bodies before they could be burned. So that's where they put the people that had died. And that was Georgia. And now we are going to Hawaii. In Hawaii, there is the Kamuki House. The Hawaiian islands are famous for their incredible beaches, lush landscapes, fascinating history, and some pretty crazy scary ghost stories. From haunted hotels and roads where you may encounter the paranormal, there are countless ghosts who have decided to make the islands their permanent residence in their afterlife. And while all these ghost stories are chilling, there is one haunted house located in the Kamuki neighborhood of Honolulu that has an absolutely terrifying story. This might just be Hawaii's most haunted house, and the story is sure to leave you with chills. This is the famous haunted Kamuki house, located on the corner of Ace and Hardy, on a foundation of two beds of lava rock, known to many as one of the most haunted places on the island. The house itself looks relatively normal, but the story behind it is anything but normal. The creature said to reside in the house is a kasha, a man-eating ghost from Japanese folklore, and the story surrounding it 
haunting of the Kamuki house have been extensively documented. Other interpretations of the monster include the Agul, who lives around the crematoriums and feeds on the dead, and a cat-like demon from the sky who steals away bodies. However, all three variations have one thing in common, its insatiable hunger for blood and corpses. Many families and couples have lived in or vacationed at the Kabuki house throughout the years, only to leave due to terrifying and dangerous occurrences. The original tale tells of a young couple who moved into the home and their neighbors, who upon hearing loud bangs and crashes suspected domestic violence, called the police. When the police arrived, the couple claimed that they were being attacked by a force they couldn't see. In 1942, police officers were called to the house by a woman who kept repeating, She's trying to kill my children. Upon entering the house, the officers could do nothing more than watch in horror as the three children were levitated, slapped, and hurled across the room by an invisible force. The incident was even featured in a local newspaper. Supposedly, a young boy detected an odor of dirt in the home enraging the catcher and resulting in a vicious attack against the family and law enforcement officials. Thirty years later, a young girl was reportedly attacked by an invisible force in the house. She immediately went to hide in her car, which was parked outside, but the spirit followed after her. The account is detailed in, this, in a newspaper article as well. And while many sources discuss the strangulation, we are unable to corroborate the article regardless if a haunting makes it into the newspaper. There has to be some truth to the story if it's in the newspaper. There are several possible explanations for these paranormal encounters, the first of which is a twist on the story above about a child being killed. Though we're unsure as to what many of these ex experts are referring to, was actually that of a father who killed his two children and a wife in a home. The wife and son's bodies were buried in the backyard, but the corpses of the daughter was never found. The second story tells of a lesbian couple in which one of the women became involved with a man. Once he discovered his girlfriend's secret, the man killed her, her wife, and himself within the Kamuki house. There is no evidence of the bodies. The bodies were never found. Is it because of its insatiable hunger for blood and human corpses? Were they eaten? That's for you to, find. That's for you to decipher. So, now, in the Kamuki house, it is going to be destroyed for newer developments. But as the house stands, you can people still say they see something moving inside the windows at night. You can hear people screaming. You can hear footsteps, scratches. Um, there is an odor to, from the house, people say. So, that is Hawaii and the Kamuki house. And now we are going to go to Idaho, our final state of the night. And in Idaho, we have the Idaho, old Idaho Penitentiary. And in the late 19th century, the territory of Idaho was still frontier land. And like most territories at the time, many of its settlements were lawless. And in order to obtain statehood in the Union, Idaho needed a prison, a place to hold the dregs of society and reform others. The state penitentiary began in 1870 as one cell house and quickly grew into a complex of buildings surrounded by a large sandstone wall. As part of their penance, the prisoners mined nearby rock quarries to build the very walls that would hold them captive. Over the next 100 years, more than 13,000 convicts, including 215 women, 
would call the Idaho State Penitentiary home. At least 110 of them died within their self-made walls from old age, illness, and murder. In Idaho's history, only 11 state executions took place. 10 of them were carried out here at this penitentiary. The penitentiary held up to 600 prisoners at one time, and the inmates suffered through almost inhumane conditions. The sandstone that formed its walls was a plentiful and inexpensive building material, but has also intensified the temperatures inside the cells in the hot Boise summers. The sandstone retained the heat, creating a still stifling oven effect. In winter, the walls held the bitter cold, chilling the prisoners for months. Proper plumbing didn't reach the prison until the 1920s, an unpleasant condition that also spread disease. This was complicated by the prison's ill-working ventilation system. Conditions like these pushed inmates to the edge, and guards answered violence with more violence until 1971 when the prisoners reached their breaking point. In 1971 and again in 1973, riots broke out. Prisoners burned the chapel and dining hall to the ground and damaged many other buildings. The 1973 riot was the more severe of the two, and shortly thereafter, prisoners were moved to more modern penitentiary south of Boise on December 3rd of the year. The penitentiary was closed down not long after it was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. The buildings themselves, however, were left exactly as they were at the end of 1973 riots, from the smoke and fire blackened stone walls to the calendar still hanging on the cell walls, walking through the cell block is enough to give anyone a serious case of the creeps. The most notorious inmate confined in the halls of the Idaho State Penitentiary was Raymond Allen Snowden, a man who dubbed Idaho's Jack the Ripper. Snowden was convicted of murder in 1956 and sentenced to death by hanging in Idaho State Penitentiary. He murdered Corey Dean, a local woman and mother of two. During a scuffle after a night of drinking, Snowden claimed he backhanded Dean, she kicked him, and then he snapped. Using a two and a quarter inch pocket knife, Snowden stabbed Cora 35 times. Before his hanging, Snowden confessed to murdering two other women. At 12.05 a.m. on October 18, 1957, Ray Snowden was brought to the gallows in the prison's five house. Snowden would never get the chance for last words at 12.06 a.m. The trap door was pulled, but the noose failed to break his neck. Raymond struggled at the end of the rope for 15 minutes before finally suffocating. Another inmate named Harry Orchard died within the prison's walls in 1954. He entered the Idaho State Penitentiary nearly 50 years before in March 1908, convicted for the murder of Governor Frank Stoneberg. However, during the trial for his life, Orchard confessed to many other darker acts. For several days in June of 1907, Orchard recounted from the stand the many crimes of his life. He did so in the eerily polite, precise, and unhesitating way. Among his sins, he listed a career as a Union terrorist that resulted in the loss of 17 lives, including that of Governor Cross exam of the governor. Cross examined for 26 hours about his killings, bigamy, heavy drinking, compulsive gambling, and womanizing. Orchard's disturbing calm on the stand stunned the courtroom. Although sentenced to death, a judge recommended his sentence be commuted to life in prison 
and the Board of Pardons agreed. Orchard lived over 45 years within prison walls, the longest sentence served by the Idaho State Penitentiary. The paranormal activity, there have been many accounts of unusual happenings in the prison complex, but Five House, the building where Snowden was executed, seems to be the most active. Some speculate Snowden's spirit never left, haunting the grounds since the October morning of 1957. About a year after the prison was placed on the National Register of Historic Places, it opened up for tours, guides, and visitors. Attest to the sinister feelings, strange sounds, voices, and dark entities they feel are still lurking in the cell blocks of old Idaho State Penitentiary. All the eerie activities intensifies near the frightening solitary confinement cell dubbed Siberia by the inmates and the gallows. It's where we place the worst of humanity, thieves, murderers, and rapists. We put them behind bars or we send them to the gallows. Places like the West Virginia Penitentiary and Moundsville are a necessary evil in our society, much like the Idaho Penitentiary. Now I say this about the Moundsville uh, penitentiary is for our next podcast episode will have the West Virginia Moundsville Penitentiary included in it. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode and I hope you guys go to paranormalinkohio.com where it'll take you to the Facebook page and you can go from there to the Facebook group page where we are going to continue the 50 haunted states And this coming Thursday, I will be live at 10 p.m. on Facebook. Friday, I'll be live at 10 p.m. on Facebook to continue on the 50 Haunted States. Hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Have a great night. Thank you very much. I'll see you, or you'll hear me on the next one.